Hello and welcome to Walk to Wellbeing, the wellness podcast from Health and Wellbeing magazine, sponsored by Sketches. I'm Holly, the editor of Health and Wellbeing, and each episode, you and I get to join someone as they go for a walk, eavesdropping on them as they talk about their own wellness journey. Each of our guests will answer the same questions, but the conversation, like their walk, might meander a bit as they go. After we leave them, I'll be joined by some of the magazine team to pick out things from that walk that we want to put into action right away in our lives. Think about your answers to each question as you listen to. And if you'd like to record your own walk to wellbeing, you can. Just download the question pack from healthwellbeing.com. We would love to hear it. Right now, though, for our next episode, we're about to join author and meditation teacher Michael James Wong as he steps out of his front door in London, cup of tea in hand, in June 2021. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well, and I'm excited and appreciative to be with you this morning on my little walk. For those of you guys who I haven't met before, my name is Michael James Wong, and I am a meditation teacher, uh, author, founder of Just Breathe and the Just Breathe app, and I've been invited to be with you on my little walk this morning. As I answer a few of these questions that I've been given, but also at the same time for myself to enjoy a little bit of time outside in nature. Now it's relatively early for me, uh, it's probably about 7 o'clock, 6.30, 7 o'clock, and most mornings I try to get outside uh, straight away into the back garden, into a local walk, uh, and just spend a little time just letting the day unfold. Now I also have a little puppy, Gus, who you may or may not hear running around in the background, but usually most mornings together we spend some time just uh, waking up to the world. It's in one way, a meditation in its own right. A little moment to pause, to appreciate. But it's also something that I don't spend too much time making into a big occasion. Because when it becomes simple, basic, essential, every day, then it allows me to really appreciate the simple pleasures of life. And so this first question that I have, not for you, but which is for me, which is, what gets me on a walk? And I think in many ways I've answered this already, that the walk in the morning is simply a time before the day gets going. Right? 
Blocks are a beautiful thing because they allow you to have perspective. They allow you to notice how you feel. You know, on Sundays with walks, there is almost a anxiousness that can happen if you have things going on, things happening shortly after. But also on the days when things are quieter, simpler and easier, a walk is just a wonderful way for the day to unfold. Where is your dream walk? So I suppose if you're listening to this podcast today, maybe take a moment before I share mine to simply close your eyes wherever you are, even if you're walking, to consider for yourself where's yours. Perhaps it may be a specific place, a location, a hike, a beach, could be somewhere that is special or sacred, or it could just be somewhere nearby the house. I also will warn you as well that I, I tend to walk with a cup of tea in the morning, so if you hear me sipping along, that's, uh, that's just me keeping to the regular rhythm and pace of my day, and just bringing you guys with me. I think for me, dream walks uh, remind me of two things. One that I went on when I was a lot younger, as a child or teenager, with my brother and my father. And it was the Milford Track in New Zealand, one of the most beautiful hikes in the world. And it was very special because it was the family, or the boys in the family. And at time to just see what it was like to fend for ourselves for I think five days in the mountains of New Zealand. Beautiful waterfalls, wonderful scenery, and just some time together. As a memory, it's a beautiful thing, and it's something I will always look fondly back on. These days though, a dream walk is in a place It's not about a certain track or field or park. While there are many wonderful places to walk, I think the dream walk is the company. It's the people. You know, I'm lucky enough to go on my dream walk every morning with my dog, I guess, who is behaving quite well this morning. running alongside, wandering around, sniffing the other puppies. And so I find in this time of a dream walk is to make time with people that are important, puppies that are important, and to spend that time enjoying the moment as opposed to just trying to get from point A to point B. Ooh, hey Gus. Gus, look at that. We've just spotted some dog friends down the way. No, come back. Good boy.
One of the nice things about a little walk is the silence, the space. It's the time where we don't need to fill. Because, have you ever heard the phrase, an aimless walk? Right? A gentle wander. These tend to be things that can sometimes be seen as a delay or a waste of time, but the beauty is aimlessness simply means that there is no destination to arrive, even if we are walking a certain path. And when we are aimless in a walk, in a wander, I like to say wander instead of walk, because a wander tends to mean quite obviously that we may go anywhere, do anything. And there's a sense of discovery, a sense of curiosity, a sense of who knows what will happen. And that's such a nice thing, I find. And maybe perhaps the essence of why this conversation, these podcasts, these walks can be so special. What does switching off look like to you? Is it important to disconnect? Or is that the wrong way to think about it? How selfish are you able to be in your life? And what rituals do you use to switch off? Well, I think the question, if I may say, is flawed from the get-go. Um, I think as humans, we're not light switches. We don't switch on, we don't switch off. We aren't built for up and down, on, off, everything, nothing. We're not binary beings that have a action and a kind of off mode. However, the essence of the question, which I do love, <clears throat> is perhaps better framed of how do we find quiet or how do we turn down the volume? How do we step back to consider? How do we take a moment to just breathe? You know, as a meditation teacher, I often sit with a lot of these questions, thoughts, lectures, conjectures. And I think if we can learn to recognize that the opportunity and the capacity that we have as humans is to understand how we can be dials, right? Almost like a dimmer switch, a light that dials up and dials down or dims up, turns up and turns down. Because when we recognize this state of living, we have the opportunity to appreciate that we can be at a higher volume at some times, but also know the capacity in which we can turn it down, 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 down. And I think that's an important thing. And so for me, turning the volume down is knowing how to slow down. Not just the actions or the body or literally just sitting down, but slowing down the mind tends to be the hardest thing. Maybe the hardest, the most challenging, or the one that requires the most attention. 
Because when we slow down the mind, we often need to give ourselves something slower to do, to think about, to consider. <clears throat> so for me, sometimes the slowing down aspect is meditation practice. Sometimes it's reading a book. But I feel and I find the consistency of walking, of a morning ritual, getting outside, having time that I must play with the puppy, becomes an essential aspect of slowing down in such a meaningful and productive way. That is something that is arguably the secret to slowing down, turning down. Give yourself something slower to do so that eventually your actions become slower and then you give yourself something else slower to do. Or at least I find that this perhaps is a technique that works for me. Who's really nailing their well-being in your life? A friend, a family member, someone you follow on Instagram, someone who inspires you, what about them do you wish to try and emulate? And again, with perhaps a lot of love, I'm not sure this question is perhaps the right framing. Someone who's really nailing their well-being is always going to be uh, a different perspective. Well-being is not a destination, right? Uh, it's a personal state of understanding, of experience. And it changes, it fluctuates. For me, I find well-being is most appreciated when people listen to themselves. Not when they try to emulate others or if they see something on Instagram thinking that this is how it's supposed to be. Because oftentimes we only see well-being through items or events or activities. We don't see feelings. We don't see progress. We don't see effort. And so I don't really strive to emulate others in well-being. What I do strive to do is to focus on well-being for myself. However, that being said, the easiest answer and maybe the most relevant answer is who's doing well-being well? My dog. My niece and nephew, my niece who's three and my nephew who's one. Children and puppies have a beautiful way of nailing their well-being, right? They do what makes them happy and only what makes them happy. They eat when they want to eat. They eat there because they're hungry. They share their joy with utter disregard. They do not wait to indulge in the things that make them happy. And if we could all be so brave to remember these qualities, because we all know them, 
but yet we put on our own permission system or obstacle or blocks to return to this sense of well-being. But if we could look towards the puppies and the children, perhaps we can all find something within ourselves that say, wow, maybe this is how life is lived. The unfortunate case of growing up and growing older is that we learn to shield our feelings and emotions. We learn to be tempted by the perception of obligations and responsibilities. And we believe that our happiness, the length or the extent of our happiness is negotiable or negotiable or conditional. I'll be happy when this happens. I enjoy myself only if this person is here. There's a lot of what ifs and when and if this happens, then. Maybe simply as we get older, we just forget. We've forgotten. So perhaps it is simply a return that's needed to our well-being. Excuse my sniffles today. Question five. There's ten questions today. When you're feeling stressed, how do you combat your triggers? Uh, think about what helps you calm down and clear your mind. And there's two points in this question that I think are worth sharing. When you're feeling stressed, well, why am I stressed? Am I stressed? Am I just worried? Stress is a peculiar thing for everyone that some schools of thought or scientific approaches will think that stress is necessary in our lives. Stress gets us out of bed. Stress allows us to not walk into traffic. Stress allows us to remember to lock the front door when we go to sleep. And of course, in many ways, these things are important, but is stress absolutely necessary? Maybe it's stress is the result that enables action when we're in a state of uncertainty or inconsistency. Maybe some of you listening will have had this experience when you were growing up. You didn't lock your front door, did you? Or at least you didn't lock the door of your bedroom. You maybe lived in a place that was a bit gentler than the city and so you could run and play in the street whenever you wanted. So oftentimes stress is the result of the conditions of uncertainty that we put ourselves in. And that's okay. That's part of living. That's part of experiencing life, big cities, fast paced loud noises, fun experiences. These are conditions we put into our lives that enable us to live, but inevitably create, can create stressful environments. 
And so in these moments, we get triggered. But what is a trigger? Triggers are moments of remembrance, is how we'll talk about it today. Moments of remembrance of past learned experiences. You've heard a siren before. You've been told or taught or seen on TV that siren means bad. All the cop and detective shows you've seen, all the, the movies. And so you remember, or you bank in your memory, siren means bad. So the next time you walk down the street and the siren whew, zooms by, you, you are triggered with negativity. And this can be the case with many different things, micro or macro in your life. And so when we are in these experiences of rising stress, stress being felt in these moments of uncertainty and the conditions of change that we put within us and we get triggered, oftentimes the process or the work is, I mean, it's, it's doing the work pre-trigger. It's undoing the triggers. It's being present. It's seeing the world as it is, not as you remember. Which is a lot tougher to do than to talk about. But the awareness that we can find from it is a good first step. So for me, if I feel a sense of stress, and with honesty, I don't feel that much stress that often. It's to first remember that this moment is new. This experience is brand new, even if I remember something familiar. Often that, straight away, can soften the triggers. I hear a siren. This moment is new. Maybe the siren is clearing a path for a parade. Who knows? Who knows? And so, what we can find in these moments of stressful feelings to simply say this moment is new. What happens next? That that empowers you to notice this moment. And you can use calming tools and techniques. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who have shared on this podcast and others who can share with you techniques for calming. I'll leave you with this today, that the best way to calm is to first be aware that you're not. And then from there, you might have tools, techniques. You might want to drop into a meditation practice, or you simply might want to open up and give a little scream. Anything that helps restore calmness is going to be valuable. My walk today is a beautiful day. Blue sky, sun's back. It's fairly peaceful and quiet. There's a few cars that I hear bumping around. But I'm on a path, kind of like an old train track path that tends to have a lot of space to it, quietness. So 
So it's nice to have this moment. Question six, when was the last time you challenged yourself to try something new or different? Well, that's an easy one. All the time, every day. I think it's easy as, if, as humans to get swept up in familiarity, comfort, swept up in the things that we know because we like to know what we know. So it becomes a certain effort to do something different. So I find that simple things, small things of change are much better in longevity than big moments of change. I'm not saying you should go move house every week or move countries every year, but maybe, just maybe, you know, when you walk to the train or the tube, walk a different way each day, go around the block a different way, even if it takes you a few minutes longer, no big deal, change. Because from change comes a sense of new awareness growth, expansion. For me, these challenges, we often think as challenges as really big things that have to happen all the time. A challenge can simply mean switching the way in which you do things. But, you know, lately, bigger challenges have been a part of my life. Uh, the past few months I've took on the challenge to write a new book which has just come out in May of 2021 called Sen Bazuru, Small Steps to Hope, Healing and Happiness. That was a big challenge. <laughs> Taking the world of what's in my brain and trying to make sense of it. <coughs> Excuse me. Put it down on paper <coughs> with hopes that it makes sense. That was a challenge. Getting a new puppy, big challenge. Big shifts in life. But it's all meaningful. All beautiful. Beautiful not in the sense of um, something nice to look at or something with adoration, but beautiful in the experience that it offers because it's real, it's raw. It's something to discover. When was the last time I was challenged? I challenged myself. Well, in this moment, perhaps this is a challenge. Walking around by myself, talking to you guys, changing the rhythm of my morning to be external instead of internal. Is it beneficial? Sure. Is it different? Yes. Is it semi-agitating uh, or frictious? Yes, not in a negative way, but yes, because it's just slightly different. What will happen? Who knows? Is it valuable? Absolutely. I seem to be getting a little bit of allergies today or hay fever. I suppose it's that time of the year. All the little things that fall from the trees.
Question seven, when was the last time you cried? Tears of sadness, happiness, relief, or anything else? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't tend to catalog my emotions. I think sometimes when we do that, we can fall into quantifying uh, our feelings as opposed to just allowing them to happen freely, vulnerably. There's always big moments. I think the last time I cried was the last time Gus, my puppy, went to the hospital, the vet, ate some chocolate, some raisins, had to stay there for a few days, not a good week. But hardship and joy has a different way of showing up on everyone's face, literally, figuratively. Some people cry a lot because that's the way that their body responds to emotion. Other times, people can feel the ex very similar emotion and have a different experience. So, whatever yours is, just let it be. The, the trick is not to change it or stifle it, thinking that there is a certain emotional response that's appropriate. It's that thing that I said earlier, we talked about earlier, about just doing as is for you. Well-being is personal and so is emotions. And they change and they shift, just like well-being. Today's emotional responses may differ. Our hope and our opportunity is not to let them be misguided by what we might believe as an expected response. Question eight, what's one recent little win you're happy with? I made dinner last night. That was a win. Came out as I planned, as I hoped. All the veggies were cooked the right way. The rice was perfect, or arguably perfect. And I think it's important to celebrate these little wins, so it's a very good question. Because sometimes we wait to, we wait for big things to have occasions. You know, celebrate a book launch, you celebrate a graduation, you celebrate an award. Why can't you celebrate making dinner? Why can't you celebrate getting up on time when your alarm clock goes off? Why can't we just celebrate doing nothing for the weekend? Maybe if we change the way that we look at things, the things we look at change. Question nine, what's the biggest life lesson you've learned in this last year? There's a beautiful quote by a writer, teacher, philosopher, Lao Tzu, who says, nature never rushes, yet everything, yet it always arrives. Something like that. Nature never rushes, yet always arrives, or yet everything is accomplished. I don't have the exact words in front of you, but it's the spirit of that. And what I love about that, what this year has taught, 
maybe not taught, but reminded, because this is obviously the nature of perhaps the work that I do, is that we're reminded that we don't need to do things fast or quickly for us to get places or to feel a sense of fulfillment. Even if, even in this year of quietness, the last 12 to 15 months, you could say on paper, I've achieved a lot. I've done a few things. But I've also felt like I have been really slow. Normally I travel quite a lot for work, for teaching, for writing. I'm usually away 10 days a month and I haven't been on a plane in 15 months. So it feels like things have gone really slowly, which is wonderful, different. But yet, I've still arrived at a place today where things have happened, things have been accomplished, things have been done. And so it's a beautiful thing. So we arrive at our 10th and final question, guys. Complete the following sentences. Being healthy is blank. I'm most me when blank. The best thing about my walk today has been blank. Okay. Let's think. What would it be for you? Being healthy is. For me, I would say being healthy is personal. Second question, I'm most me when blank. What's a good walk in London without some construction? I'm most me when. What would it be for you? For me, I'm most me when I take time to step away from needing to do and to just be. And this last question, the best thing about my walk today has perhaps been spending time with you guys, changing the routine ever so slightly, but also still enjoying the time to just be quiet and to have this moment today. I want to thank you all for being with me on this walk. And perhaps as I get back to almost the end of the walk back to the house, near the construction. My original plan was to do a little closing meditation with you all in the sounds of nature. However, doesn't seem to be the case today. So I'll leave you with this. Um, some of you may know, or this may be new inspiration, but we have our Just Breathe meditation app, which is, many, many beautiful daily practices, meditations, breathing practices, words of wisdoms, and perhaps maybe you can check it out. Visit it, download it, there's a free download trial. Join us there for a little morning meditation. And if not there, just take a moment today for yourself to find a quiet corner of your house or outside, and 
on your walk and just breathe for a little bit. Thanks guys for being with me. Feel free to reach out and connect. Once again, my name is Michael James Wong. You can find me on all social that way, at Michael James Wong. Connect with us and follow us at Just Breathe. And uh, I look forward to staying connected, being connected, and wishing you well as you continue your walks through this podcast. And I want to say a big thank you to the team that's put this together, uh, everyone at Health and Wellbeing, as well as the team organizing the walks and the podcasts. And so thank you all, be well, and hopefully we'll be connected again soon. Oh, I can totally empathise with Michael and his allergies on that walk. I know the health and wellbeing team have all been suffering recently. And if you have too, you can check out our guide to making the hay fever season a breeze on our website, healthwellbeing.com. But before we get into probably our most philosophical interview so far, let's take a pause and hear from our sponsor, Sketches. Walk to Wellbeing is proudly sponsored by Sketches. Put a spring in your step with Sketches' range of comfort-boosting shoes featuring the very latest walking technology. The new lightweight, high-flex ArchFit range is designed to take great care of your feet, wherever your walk to wellbeing may take you. Over 20 years of data was used to create the amazing ArchFit cushioning insole, which is removable too, and provides complete foot and arch support for all day comfort. Shop the ranges online at sketchers.co.uk. That's S-K-E-C-H-E-R-S.co.uk, where you'll find thousands of shoes, boots, and trainers to bring you and your family style and support with every step. Michael's interview was super interesting and I'm really excited to get stuck into his answers. So let me welcome back Daniela and Vicky from the health and wellbeing team to episode eight of the podcast. I really enjoyed that Michael brought us into his dream walk and allowed us to imagine ours. What were you thinking when he asked that Vicky? I would definitely agree with what he said about it being about the company. Um, Obviously, during lockdown, I wasn't able to see my dad and my sister. Um, so just having like relaxing walks with them recently has been really nice. It just in, no matter where we are, even when it was been a particularly muddy one back in May, it was still nice to be with them. I had the kind of opposite, actually, Vicky. So I was sort of I don't like to use the word stuck, but I was with my parents a lot. <laughs> so um, we were kind of um, all meddled in together. Um, so we um, went on our daily walks. Um, me and my mum have been like pretty hardcore solid um, doing that. But no, completely like James said, it was so nice when the, the dream walk isn't always about on the beach somewhere or or like abroad somewhere. It, it really is about the people. Uh, it's about the people who are with and having that having that time with them so I thought that was really really lovely and completely sympathized with his with his allergies um I <laughs> read something the other day and it said that people who don't have hay fever are literally like God's gift like <laughs> you're literally carved from heaven there's like nothing wrong with you <laughs> yeah I was a bit worried about the recording today yeah because I'm yeah really bad today <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think we've all been you know, taking our mics away and shielding our sneezes um, in preparation for this. 
But I um, actually thought it was interesting that he said that a walk was a wonderful way for the day to unfold. And also it's the time that we don't need to fill. So he was reminding us of the phrases, a gentle wander or an aimless walk. And those having no destination, even if you're walking a certain path. And this was super interesting to me because as Vicky, you'll know, I get quite anxious about a solo aimless wander. It's not something that I massively lean towards. Um, If I've got no destination in mind or if I'm not listening to anything. Um, But when Michael said that there is a sense of discovery in an aimless wander, it made me wonder um, (laughs) what makes me a little uncomfortable with not filling that time, um, as Michael says. So I wondered if anyone else could relate to that. I quite like a solo walk because my um, partner works a lot of shift work so I spend a lot of evenings by myself so last summer I spent a lot of time walking around and it's quite nice just thinking oh what's over here I'll just walk over and see what this is and discovering like new things that I didn't know were around here um especially in the like long summer evenings when it was nice and warm yeah completely I think that's nice as well I think what kind of puts people off doing that is the lack of time but I suppose we had nothing but time recently we've had so much time to just (laughs) Maybe like take a little bit of a step back and to be able to, like you say, Vicky, just like wander around and have a little bit, bit of an explore rather than like super on a mission. Like if, especially if you live in a city, everyone's, everyone's on a time schedule to get places. So that's really, really nice to be able to take that time. And yeah, just to be like you say, Holly, like really comfortable in your own company and, or like, or like how um, Michael was very lucky to have his, have his dog with him. And so I thought that was very nice when he said that about, you know, embracing like your inner child and being more like, more like dogs and children who are very intuitive in that way. Yeah. And I think that's something that Madeline Shaw from last week's episode touched upon um, of embracing your inner child as well. So that's something we come back to um, a few times on the podcast. Definitely. They just have like no worries, don't they? And (laughs) I also found it really interesting what he said about well-being isn't it's not a destination. It's, it's kind of like something to work towards. Um, but also learning to go along with the journey and kind of embracing all those kind of different feelings that you feel along the way. I think that's also been a real theme in the podcast that not to stifle those emotions and instead embracing them. And you might even feel a little bit more empowered and in control when you do do that. I wonder if you guys are kind of like ever thinking or trying to embrace your embrace how you're feeling like whether it's negative or positive at the moment I tend to stifle (laughs) yeah um what I kind of noticed for myself was um I actually found myself wanting Michael to speed up um his conversation (laughs) a little um especially when he was saying about how ironically slowing down the mind can be hard and I think that actually says way more about how quickly my brain runs um then of um michael um but i think that that was what i found um quite interesting that i was like oh you know i'm not used to this this slow <laughs> speed yeah absolutely i think it kind of goes back to what he said about how we're not you know we're not light bulbs we're not 
um, made to be switched on and off. And I think that's what kind of might maybe put people off meditation because I think people are put off by the fact that they think I can't think about nothing, but it's, it's not thinking about nothing. It's just taking that time to be being a bit more present and in the moment. And, but I think that's totally normal, Holly, you know, having a million things going through your head, you know, especially being the editor of two magazines and, <laughs> you know, having all these different elements in your life and things like that. So yeah, learning to slow down. That's definitely, definitely something that I still need to master for sure. I need to, um, I need to check out his Just Breathe app. It sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. And I really liked when Michael said wellness is most appreciated when you listen to yourself and that we don't get to see feelings, effort or progress on social media or externally. And I think that's a theme that we cover quite a lot on the podcast as well, is that, you know, not comparing ourselves to other people and their their wellness journey. Yeah, I liked what he said about not, he doesn't want to emulate anyone. He wants to focus on himself. And I think that's important because, yeah, you might see that some something has worked for someone on Instagram, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work for you. It might even do the opposite for you. So that is important. Yeah, definitely. I feel like wellness is kind of definitely taking the shape of there is no one size fits all. And like you said, Vicky, if you see something that somebody eats on Instagram, that might be great for them you, they might love that but it might not work for you so yeah knowing knowing what those things that might trigger you perhaps and I think real growth comes from acknowledging those triggers and knowing what to do when it when you need to kind of take a step back and just focus on yourself I think that's a really really secure way of feeling yeah and I think that point links into when Michael said that being healthy is personal. I liked what he said about um, the fact that he challenges himself all the time. He wasn't just one particular thing. He does it every, every day. Um, and the fact that we can all do that as well and challenge ourselves, but only like, it doesn't have to be a big thing. Like, like he said, like moving house or moving country, it can just be as simple as changing the way you walk to work. Um, and that can, I mean, that has benefits for like, your your brain as well because it helps rewire your brain and keep it young so that is another benefit from doing things like just small challenges and it, the challenge seems like a big word but yeah when you put it in context of small things like that it doesn't have to be as scary yeah and like Michael said humans like to know what we know and trying something new sometimes becomes an effort to do something different but from change comes growth. And that's something that I can relate to because um, I'll often lean towards the things that I know that I'm already good at. But I found that when you do try something, you might not usually put yourself forward for. Um, that could be where the magic happens. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a real testament as well to the people who you surround yourself with and whether you feel comfortable enough or challenged enough in a way to kind of like push yourself because I was um and I can totally relate to that Holly as well you know I'm I've always I always stick to things that I'm good at and it makes you feel good doesn't it when you oh, yeah, achieve totally. something and um you know when something's really difficult you kind of feel like you're getting nowhere so I've actually I've signed up for um a 10k race and at the moment running is not in my workout routine whatsoever and the kind of 
dart line is creeping further and further up the calendar. <laughs> so I kind of need to like get my butt into gear a little bit. And so, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking, oh, should I do it? You know, it, it and that's the easiest thing, isn't it? To kind of pull out and say, oh, I'll, I'll do it another time. But so my dad, for example, he's, um, he's around all the time and he's very influential. And he said, you know, no, go for it. You've got to do it. And, and I know that, you know, hopefully when I cross the finish line, I'll feel really, really good. And yeah, it's not, it's not anything massive. I mean, like to someone that just a 10 K race is, it's nothing, but to me, that will be, that will be celebrating a little win for sure. I think those are so important. So important and uh, amazing. That's huge news. Um, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> congratulations on signing up to that. I mean, that I find that really, really impressive because I can barely run a bath, let alone a yeah. 10K race. <laughs> well, don't congratulate me yet. I haven't finished yet. I haven't crossed the finish line. <laughs> but no, it is important to celebrate those little wins like um, you were saying, Vicky and Daniela, and also um, as Michael was telling us as well, um, any kind of change can be seen as a little win, like he was saying. And I have thought that recently as well, just changing up your routine, like you were saying, Vicky, that maybe just even getting up on time could be a little win. And recently I've been changing up my routine a little bit in the mornings to take um, my morning cup of tea outside into the garden so it's in the sunshine before work so I'm not rushing around to get straight into things and just embracing that little bit of nature in the mornings before the day gets going and it has taken a little bit of effort to get into but actually you know having a cup of tea in the garden for five minutes every day is not really a hardship but it has done wonders for my mental well-being so yeah celebrating those little wins really nice yeah life is to life is to be enjoyed otherwise what's the point (laughs) yeah exactly yeah why can't you celebrate making the bed (laughs) (laughs) and I think that loops to when Michael was saying that every experience is brand new even if it triggers something familiar and I really enjoyed his mantra of asking you know what happens next and you know to the first step to calm is to be aware that you're not um I mean I don't know about you guys but I think I always know when I'm not calm (laughs) well you never show it Holly I mean you're cool as a cucumber I think personally so you have to teach me how to do that one day I think they call it the swan technique (laughs) calm on the surface not underneath (laughs) but I think for me my favorite part of Michael's interview was when he said that nature never rushes yet it always arrives or I believe it was something Mm. like that and that that's reminded us that we don't need to do things fast or quickly to get to our destination so my takeaway from today is to embrace that slowness perhaps go on an aimless wander um (laughs) And just enjoy that quiet um, moment. What about you, Daniela? What are you going to take away today? Yeah, really nice, Holly. Let us know how you get on on that wonder. Um, (laughs) So I feel like triggered or being triggered is um, quite a big buzzword recently. And I um, 
found it very interesting how he said those are like moments of remembrance. So for example, when he was talking about if you hear a siren going past, that to immediately to you thinks um, emergency, you know, something something bad is going on. But actually, if you kind of like switch that around in your head, that siren could actually be, in Michael's words, clearing the path for a parade, which I thought was lovely. How about you, Vicky? Um, I like, really liked what he said about how hardship and joy have a different way of showing up on people's faces, which I think is a similar thing to what I've read before, where, you, you know, you have to remember that you don't know what everyone's going through behind so what they show for example on instagram is a highlights reel and you don't know exactly what's going on behind that um and i think that's always something important to remember f- for everyone totally really comforting as well and i think michael really embraced the new experience of walking and talking on his own today but i really loved joining michael on his walk and also love chatting to you both today so a huge thanks from me to you Daniela and Vicky, and of course, to our incredibly thought-provoking guest, Michael James Wong. Most important of all, though, thanks so much to you for listening. We've got loads more fantastic, fascinating guests coming up, and we can't wait to share their wellness journey with you. And so, until next time, from me and the whole of the health and wellbeing team, stay well and see you soon. Before you unlace your trainers, we've got an exclusive health and wellbeing magazine subscription deal for you, our lovely Walk to Wellbeing listeners. Head to giftstoyou.com forward slash APOD1. That's A-P-O-D and the number one to get three issues for just $9.99, saving you over 25% and delivered straight through your front door. The link is in the description of this episode to make redeeming this fantastic offer simple and easy. Remember to share your walk with us on social media using the hashtag walk to wellbeing. And you can even download exactly the same list of questions that you heard our guest chat through earlier in this episode. You can record your very own walk to wellbeing episode and we'd absolutely love to hear it. For all the details, head to this episode's description and we hope you enjoyed strolling with us today.